Oh my gosh, thank you. Um, good morning. Uh, so good to be with you all. And uh, okay, just just checking. Is this okay? Um, sound. All right, good. Yeah. So, aren't you excited? We are starting a new series today. It's on the Holy Spirit. Oh wait, I wanted to wave to those of us, uh, those of you who have joined us online. Welcome. And I'm very excited to be studying this new series called the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit means sometimes different things to different people, right? And I've been having conversations with people. And yesterday, I bumped into someone from our church um, at Coffee Academics. Actually, while I was preparing for this sermon, and somebody was like, Pastor Brenda! <laughs> anyway, so uh, we had a good conversation about stuff and also about the Holy Spirit. Um, but it also made me realize once again how we, you know, um, we have different views and associations when, it, when we think about the Holy Spirit. And I thought it would be great to start the series with a little introduction. What do you think? That's um, Lance, my husband. So he's excited for me, of course. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, because some people, when you say the Holy Spirit, some people think, ah, spiritual gifts. Or some, some people will think, ah, prophecy. Ah, speaking in tongues. Um, for some people, it's God's presence and comfort. And for some people, um, I think for us here in, in the church, it's ministry time. Ministry time means, okay, Holy Spirit, it's time to show up. So there are many, many dimensions to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's easy to make one dimension the primary dimension of the Holy Spirit, and we can neglect the other dimensions. And so, we're going to start with a little, little introduction. Okay, so who is the Holy Spirit? Not this. Okay, not this. So the Holy Spirit is a, is a person, not a force, not a power, not an it. Okay, it is not an it, it's... The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit does relationships and the Holy Spirit can be grieved. And what's the role of the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? Okay, just, I just have to warn you, okay? I have a long list for you, but do not despair. See, it's better to have a long list than a short list because a long list means that the Holy, Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit's work is utterly expansive and all-encompassing, right? <laughs> okay, so... Um, let's see. So the Holy Spirit brings creation into existence and who is now in the process of getting us to a new creation. The Holy Spirit is God's personal presence with us, helps us to know Jesus, makes us like Jesus. And what does it mean to be like Jesus? It means to look like God with God's character. And that's what the fruit of the hope. The Holy Spirit is all about, okay? Helps us to pray and worship, convicts the world of sin, drawing people to repentance and forgiveness. Now, maybe you think like, oh, what's all this jargon? It really means this. The reason why you are here this morning is because of the Holy Spirit's work in bringing you to Jesus. And that's why we are all church this morning. And brings healing, comfort, and encouragement. And the Holy Spirit helps the church to be church. We cannot be church without the Holy Spirit. And finally, the church empowers the, well, the Holy Spirit empowers the church 
for missions. And that's what we're going to focus on today. By the way, this is not exhaustive, okay? But you can see, right, how wide-ranging the Holy Spirit's work is. And different parts of the Bible emphasize different dimensions of the Holy Spirit's work. Now, Paul talks a bit, quite a bit about the Holy Spirit's work in inner transformation and relationships within the church. But Acts focuses more on how the Holy Spirit empowers us to bear witness for Christ. But, but, but they are all, they're all connected, okay? So it's not one or the other. So it's like the, the Holy Spirit is for my individual transformation as well as for kingdom proclamation. They go together. Okay, that's all for introduction. Does that help at all to give you a mini framework? Okay, now we are ready to begin. So today's passage from, is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. Now the book of Acts was written by this person called Luke, who was a doctor, and he traveled with the Apostle Paul. And there's two parts to his writing, okay? So Acts is the second part, and the Gospel of Luke is the first part. It's, you know, it's good to read them together. If you haven't tried reading Luke, then Acts, do try it. So going into our passage, if you are able to, okay, will you stand for the reading of God's Word? People online, please do join us, stand and read with us. So I have it here on the screen, but you also have it on your bulletin. Okay, let's read together. I wrote the former account, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after he had given orders by the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. To the same apostles also, after his suffering, he presented himself alive with many convincing proofs. He was seen by them over a 40-day period and spoke about matters concerning the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he declared, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait there for what my father promised, which you heard about from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had gathered together, they began to ask him, Lord, is this the time when you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He told them, you are, permitted, you are not permitted to know the times or periods that the Father has set by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the furthest parts of the earth. We thank you so much that you have given us the Holy Spirit, Jesus. I pray for everyone here in this room and online. Lord, you know what word they need to hear today. You know how they need to hear it. You know the needs that each person here has. You know what they're longing for. You know the questions they have. But above all, you know that each one here longs to be connected with you. They long for more of your Holy Spirit. Perhaps they don't know how. Perhaps they don't even feel you sometimes, but you see them. You see every individual here and you see every heart. So I pray, come Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Ah, Jesus says, wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Then you get out there and witness. Wait. Hang on. Pause. Now let us pause to consider this, okay? What is it about witnessing that needs the Holy Spirit so much? I know it sounds like a simple question, but 
It's a good question. What do you think it is? Does it apply to us? This um, passage? Maybe it applies more to the disciples, you know, because maybe it was harder back then when they were doing their witnessing. After all, it was 2,000 years ago. They didn't have the technology. They didn't have the resources. We have a lot of resources now. Maybe it was dangerous for them to witness. Maybe they needed more miracles. Now we have medication. And maybe they need more Holy Spirit and we don't because times have changed. John Newton, the person who wrote Amazing Grace, said, Is it really true that that which the early church so depended on, the leadership of the Spirit, is irrelevant to us today? Now, I know we, all of us here will give the right answer, right? What is the right answer? Of course it's not true. But I do wonder sometimes whether we are nearly as hungry as the, and as dependent on Holy Spirit as um, the disciples back then. What do you think? No? Okay. I, I see some nods and some shaking heads. But my sense, okay, my own sense is that maybe we are not as hungry or as dependent. Maybe we are hungry but not as dependent. And I think a large part of it has to do with our idea of witnessing. What do I mean by that? I need to tell you the story of my hiking boots. So I was in Melbourne, Australia. I was hanging out with a group of friends and they love to go hiking, uh, bushwalking, um, if you're in Australia. And they were planning a 10-day hike at Cradle Mountains in Tasmania. Okay, so this is the picture. It looks very beautiful, right? And this 10-day hike is called the Overland Trek. And so we, we had to go shopping. Okay, this is, well, this was a hardcore hike. And so we went shopping for hardcore sh- hiking boots, right? It was my first time shopping for like real hiking boots, you know. What I had as hiking boots were Adidas or maybe Nike. Okay, so it was recommended that we go with an Italian brand called Scapa. You know, like extremely durable, one-piece leather type of shoes. Very functional, very well-designed and, and I guess just very efficient, but just not very aesthetically inviting. I'll show you a picture. This. See what I mean, right? So these boots, um, they were from the 90s, and I don't, actually don't have them anymore. I, I pulled this picture out from Google. Um, and now, in the year 2021, they are known as the Vintage Collection. So anyway... I wasn't ta- exactly taken by the look of this and it was very expensive as well. So, but I had to get them, so I got them reluctantly. And when I finally hit the track, carrying a backpack of more than one-third of my body weight, okay, do, I do not recommend that. I was falling backwards. Um, but when I went on the track, I was so thankful. I was so thankful because I've had to deal with rough terrains like hailstorms, like steep and slippery slopes, like rough edges on the rocks. And then that made me realize just how much I needed those boots. See, I did not know that I, need, I needed those boots, those hardcore boots for the track because why? I did not know what the track would be like. Now, this is an analogy and the Holy Spirit is not my scapa boots. And the Christian witness is not the overland track. But is it possible that in the same way, we might have too small a view of what our Christian witness means? And so then we underestimate our need for the Holy Spirit. Do you think it's possible? 
So what, what exactly is the Christian mission then? What does it mean to be witnesses for Jesus? Now, for the disciples, I mean, it was to proclaim the kingdom of God in word and deed because it was what Jesus did and they were going to follow him. But you see, they, so they spent three years with Jesus, right? They, Jesus taught them about the kingdom of God and Jesus also did things and proclaimed the kingdom of God in doing things. And the, and, and the disciples saw everything. And then even after Jesus was risen, He continued to teach them about the kingdom of God over the 40-day period that He was with them, as we read just now. Remember that? We read that? So, maybe it is important. Maybe this kingdom of God idea is important or understanding. So, what does it look like for, um, what does it look like for them to proclaim the kingdom of God? So Luke tells us in his first volume, which is the Gospel of Luke, that, okay, stay with me. I know you're very familiar with this. And sometimes when we are familiar with things, we can do, okay, I know all those things, but stay with me, okay? By the power of the Holy Spirit, Luke tells us, Jesus healed many people. He, he set many people free from bondage and demon possession. He fed many hungry people with limited resources. Remember the fish loaf? He called the Pharisees out for the idolatries that caused them to treat people poorly. He reached out to those who were outcasts or social misfits, included them and loved them. And he taught people, he taught them what true greatness and love is. And not only did he teach them, he showed them. How did he show them? He went to the cross and all these things he did, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, so the, 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 the disciples had some idea of what they were getting into you know, having been with Jesus. Um, and how could they not want the same when, when they were tasked to continue Jesus' mission of proclaiming the kingdom of God? What about us? What does it mean for us to witness in the 21st century? What does it mean for you sitting here to proclaim the kingdom of God in both deed and word? I have some Suggestion here, they're practical ways. Okay, this is not exhaustive again. First, your good old evangelism. How many of you find that hard? Share, share Jesus with people. Yeah, I see many hands go up. Yeah. So yeah, your good old evangelism. Tell people about Jesus, your co-workers, people you spend time with in your sports group and your coffee group. But we can also stand up for people who are marginalized or discriminated against. We all know by, by now that racism is a huge issue and it's a huge issue in Hong Kong. Let, don't, I mean, pay attention when you're, you're out and about. You know, don't, don't stay neutral. Don't turn a blind eye. Call it out when you see it. Reach out to people who are different from you and have a relationship. When you're on the MTR and you see that nobody wants to sit with that person, maybe because of how the person looks, go sit with the person. And at your workplace, observe what is life-giving to others and what is not. Now, if you have the authority to make changes, make them. But if you don't, pray. Pray against systemic wrongs and injustice in the marketplace. Pray against income inequality that's so bad here in Hong Kong. Or if you're running a business, consider how the way you run your business can bring life to not just your customers, but your employees, including those at the bottom of the ladder. Especially those at the bottom of the ladder. See, church, 
our witness is most powerfully defined not by how we treat people at the top, but by how we treat people at the bottom. We discern and confront idolatry, whether it's in the form of money, power, or political agenda. Idolatry of any kind leads to us taking, treating people poorly, putting things, even good things, above people. And this last one, probably the hardest for us here, the hardest for me, to love in a self-sacrificial way, like Christ did. See, it is easy to love with what you have to spare. It is not so easy to love with what you have to give up. Does that make sense? And that's how we witness. Now, is this sounding like mission almost impossible to you? you feel free to nod. I mean, this is a safe space. Right? Thank you for nodding. Yes. Now, at COVID, the working hours you have, the mortgage you have to pay, the family you have to support, and the office politics you have to navigate, and family problems you have to deal with. Or maybe you're not in a good emotional space right now. Maybe you're feeling numb and you're exhausted. You're just trying to survive. And so many people I meet here in Hong Kong are just trying to survive. And that's when the mission goes from mission almost impossible to mission impossible. But church, the Holy Spirit specializes in missions impossible. Did you know that? So this is precisely why we need to depend on Him, why we need to be utterly dependent on Him to help us see when we're just too tired or blind to see, to stir in us a passion to love, to love self-sacrificially, even when it seems impossible. And just to make us bold. Wait, and just to make us care. How many of you find it hard to care? You know, I recall this one time when I just had nothing left in me. And I mean nothing. I was in Vancouver. I was fresh from, well, I, I just uh, uh, experienced or gone through a divorce and I was hurting inside so bad. I just wanted to be left alone. So I was in Vancouver. I was um, in this uh, grocery store called uh, Whole Foods. Okay, there's all these huge tables and you can sit and share um, that table. And so I was sitting there, drinking my coffee, eating my favorite humongous um, blueberry muffin, and just doing my own thing. And the Holy Spirit stirred and said to me, go talk to the, the, the person in red over there, just across the table, but the table is big. You know, and to be honest, I was not keen. I was like, what do you mean by that? God, I... I'm depleted, can't you see? I have no more left in me. I'm hurt. I need healing. You know, no, Lord, you know. And of course, you know, with the Holy Spirit, sometimes the Holy Spirit just it's very consistently nudges at you, right? Um, and so they're like, okay, God, I will do it, you know. Um, but very reluctantly, I went over, talked to the lady um, in red. And, um, you know, Vancouver, people are friendly. So you, I approached her and said, hey, um, hi, you know, how are you? And then and she said, oh, yeah, you know, I had a dream. That I was going to find God. It's like, okay. 
Yeah, but that just opened the conversation, right? Um, you know, and I talked to this person about God. She didn't know what kind of God she was going to find, whether it was a Christian God or some other God. But that, we, we, but we had a conversation. I managed to, I talked to her about Jesus, you know, and she, there and then she said, yeah, do pray for me. You know, I want to know this Jesus. Now, I don't know what happened after that. See, that's not my business because the Holy Spirit is the architect and the, and the, and the conductor, right? Maybe someone will come along, you know, and follow up. But I did what I had to do or what I was called to do. And I felt, um, actually, I felt quite light doing that, you know, like, um, because I felt it was supernatural because I could not have done it. I just could not have done it. So anyways, um, but that doesn't mean that it has to happen every time in that way. See, the Holy Spirit leads us moment by moment. It's not like a legalistic act of rules, right? It's about being led by the Holy Spirit every moment of our lives. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit says, this is a season for you to rest, rest, heal. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says, you are fully charged, go. But sometimes the Holy Spirit says, go, even when you have nothing left in you. You know the popular saying, I mean, we, I think we have all said this at least once. God will never give you more than what you can handle or bear. How many of you know this? See, this is supposedly based on one, uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13. But in context, this is not entirely accurate. The pain and suffering we go through are oftentimes more than what we can bear. And the Spirit empowers us to bear. Have you ever thought about that? So we need to learn to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? Sometimes, although you know that the Holy Spirit is in you, we all know that, right? Yeah, I have the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit in me. But you may not be giving full access to the Holy Spirit. See, going back to my hike, right? I was, uh, okay, this is the first day. I, yeah, we were walking on the, those muddy tracks and you have puddles of water and I was trying to avoid those puddles of water. I was going from right and then I jumped to the left. Then I jumped to the right again. or just trying to avoid the puddles of water. I got very tired. And then the leader of the group turned around and said to me, Brenda, those are waterproof boots, remember? You're going to tire yourself out. On the first day of the track, you need to trust your boots. Church, I wonder whether we sometimes live life like that too, or most of the time. We try so hard to make everything work out. We try so hard to fend for ourselves on our own, with, on our own strength. We try so hard to make things happen. We, has, we try so hard to make ministry happen. And then we get so tired. You need to trust the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that you have inside of you. Who is feeling exhausted from hoping, no, from hopping all over the place as if everything depended on you? Any one of you? Who is tired from juggling so many things? Just so that the ball does not drop. Who is feeling guilty for not being a good enough Christian, thinking that you have not done enough for God? Who needs to be refreshed by the Holy Spirit today? Who wants to stop being numb and feeling, feeling numb and apathetic? 
who wants to have a renewed vision of what God has called you to? Who wants to be empowered to live moment by moment, led by the Holy Spirit? Who wants to see a revival in Hong Kong? Anyone? Who wants to see the kingdom come in India and in the Middle East? I was going to, initially I was planning to get you to raise your hand, but I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to say this. If you said yes to any of those questions and your heart is burning or you want your heart to burn because you cannot feel anything and haven't been able to feel anything for a long time, I want you to say this with me very, just very simply. It just, it's just come Holy Spirit, have your way in me. But I want to say it together as a sign of commitment. Because the Spirit sees you. The Spirit hears you. The Spirit knows what you need. Okay, so join me if this is for you. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in me. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm standing here right now before you, feeling humbled. Because it is not me. It's not about me. It's not about the words that I have said today, but it's about you. It's about what you can bring. It's about what you can do. It's about how you can renew that passion once again in our hearts. You are the one, Holy Spirit. And so I pray that you'll meet each person here today in, very, in a very meaningful and special way. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. Hong Kong needs you. The church needs you. India needs you. The Middle East needs you. So come, Holy Spirit. Amen.